it is a jungle out there. But my conversation with Tia Nolan, editor of major hits such as Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Thunder Force, has some very candid advice about how to build a story, including a look at that famous pizza scene and how the character completely changed with some restructuring of the media. And for those of you who are thinking you might want to become an editor or are looking to get ahead in your editing career, she's also got some great advice for you. Big thank you to OWC, Otherworld Computing, for sponsoring this show. Stand by. Here we go. It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania. Did you know you wanted to edit way back then when you were in high school? Did well, you know? that's the thing. So I was taking that class. My dad uh, is or was in advertising. So I was privy to commercial sets and things like that when I was young. Also, he was um, or still is just a movie fanatic. So we had a 16 millimeter projector on our house and a screen and he would buy prints of movies and we would screen movies. And so it was just everything was about the movies. Um so I uh, took telecom and actually got an editing award, which at that time was just like, you know, a star from the teacher, uh, but for doing a documentary. And I think I told my mom about it and she was like, you know, you can do that for a living. And I was like, you can what? You know, so I knew everything about the movies and I even knew about my dad's commercial shoots and things, but I'd never been in a cutting room. So this summer, so I went to USC film school, uh, but I didn't actually get into USC film school. I didn't know you could apply into the into a major. I mean, there was so much that no one knew about film schools. I think the counselors at uh, Lake Forest High School told me of a couple of colleges with film programs and I got into them and I went on the tours and they were like, oh no, we have a photography class. So <laughs> luckily I got into USC as well, which had a film program. Anyhow, my freshman summer, I took an internship at a commercial editing studio in Chicago, uh, and they were doing it all on film. But it really showed me, you know, how any kind of even little mini film is being made uh, and how you need to tell a story mostly in such a short period of time. I mean, for a commercial, it's 30 seconds and you have to sell a product and tell a story of what's happening and how someone's enjoying this food product or cleaning their bathroom or whatever it is. Uh, so that was great. And then after that, I just stayed at USC, made films, uh, worked internships, uh, got a couple in cutting rooms during the summers um, and was very lucky to, I think, two weeks out of graduation, get hired as an apprentice editor on a film. Uh, I, I had worked with uh, in an internship. I'd worked with the uh, editor before for a summer. Um, and he remembered me and remembered that I was trustworthy and worked hard and brought me in. And so, yeah, I was very lucky. Why did they stop Longmire? I'm still mad about that. <laughs> I'm, I am. It's still on my watch list and I keep going. Uh, are there new episodes? Are there new episodes? And it's just sitting there. It's terrible. I I so I, I want to tell the audience about something. I've got this huge list here. You've done so much. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is one. Yes. That's a yes. really cool film. You guys, I'm sure, have heard of that. Thunder Force for Netflix. 
Super Intelligence, Annie, I Feel Pretty, How to Be Single, and then you also contributed to the Avengers Endgame, and there's a ton more. So I guess one of the questions I have is, how did you go from being an editor winning a high school prize for a documentary to then working on some of these monster movies at Marvel and at Netflix and for Disney Plus? It really was, uh, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think that there's a certain amount of luck with this falls into this, you know, you end up being in a group of people that you're working with and someone takes you on to something else and something else. Uh, so when I was talking about how I got my start, I worked with uh, that particular editor um, on the first film out of college and uh, an assistant who introduced me to another editor and that editor kind of opened the door to another editor. Um, I ended up a couple of years in working with an editor who became my mentor. Um, and so just quickly, I'm, times have changed, but just to kind of understand the division in the cutting room of being an assistant or an apprentice or whatever it is, uh, or becoming an editor, it really is two very different tasks. Being an assistant is like being the librarian of the footage. Also, now assistants are responsible for helping with sound design, uh, very temp visual effects work, anything to get the film or television show to look like it would when you released it in theaters, when you broadcast it, when you streamed it, uh, you try to present a cut that is very polished. So the assistants are responsible for some of that stuff, but more often than not, they're not editing scenes. They're not making the creative choices. Um, I do my best to get my assistants involved in all of it. I bring them in, I show them cuts, I get their advice, I'll offer them scenes to cut, you know, if we have the time, that sort of thing. But there is a pretty big divide. And so the leap to editor is a challenge. Um, it doesn't, I believe it happens a little quicker in television because a lot of times if a series goes for many years, they like people with history of the show. So assistants will move up to editors, um, not as much in features. It is a bigger leap. Uh, so for me, it was a matter of, I did a number of films with this particular editor, Richard Marks, who was amazing. Uh, and he allowed me to cut. He mentored me through the cutting, allowed the directors to give me notes on the scenes that I cut. So I worked early on with Nora Ephron on You've Got Mail. And, uh, you know, was able to cut scenes with her and Richie. And so she thought of me when she was doing Bewitched. And so I ended up editing, like, I believe my, one of my earliest feature film projects was this $85 million picture for Sony that was like a tentpole just because I knew Nora. So I did a little bit luck of just how the path went. Also, I think it's really important to have an even temper you know, the, the thing with being yes. an editor is that you're not going to be the star on the red carpet. You're not going to be the one in all the interviews. People, the, the people in front of all these projects are the actors and the directors. But you're such an integral part of the storytelling. So you have to throw your ego out. You have to realize here's the material and here's the story we want to tell. But also here are all these egos and personalities. So it is equally a juggle of the footage as it is the juggle of the personalities and making sure that the director feels comfortable and safe that the studio feels comfortable and safe that you are responsible for the material but also you're able to 
figure out where you can help and when to sort of stand back. And, you know, there's just, I, I've, I've watched people not succeed who I've come up the ranks with uh, because of an inability to play the politics game a little mm-hmm. bit. So there's a lot of it that comes into it. And it's just, you know, being a, a bit of a people person, but also just, you know, doing the work, really being there and, and, and studying the material. So. I think it's, um, especially in these big movies where you're involved with a huge group of people, you've got your production people, your post-production people, you've got the studio, you've got uh, your actors and their representatives, and, and it is, and we're back to relationships. The one thing I've always told everybody is don't ever burn your bridges. Even if you're upset, even if you don't agree with what's going on, try to find a gracious way of keep on keeping on until it's time for you to finish and and i think you'll find that people really respect you and obviously that's what you do you 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 know you do your work you work hard and they can trust you so yeah well i'll say for example i was brought on to end game i'm really good friends with i went to college with one of the lead editors on that and uh jeffrey ford he's edited i think for the past decade marvel movies just did spider-man no way home Anyhow, he and I both came up the ranks of this uh, other editor, Richard Marks. And so he was doing Infinity War and Endgame at the same time with his co-editor, Matt uh, Schmidt. And they knew that they needed to get Infinity War into the theaters. And they were basically having to ignore Endgame, but it needed to be done at the same time. There's a certain amount of visual effects work that has to be done from the minute they start shooting or they'll never get those CG characters, world builds, all that kind of stuff. So Jeff called me and he said, I want you to come in because I know that you and I have the same sensibilities editing and you know, I don't need a, a, a big ego to come in like another editor who's done you know all the big dc movies or anything like that so i wasn't someone who had done comic book movies or visual effects heavy movies but he knew that i knew story and that i would work well with the the directors and so i came in worked with the russos worked with jeff worked with matt all of them were my directors at a certain point because i knew you guys know this world way more than i do and there's no reason for me to come in and say well look at what i do i've been doing this for 25 years it it wasn't gonna you know help me or help them or help the film and so in doing that marvel took notice and so they were trying to get me on films ever since then and we're in lockdown i am cutting thunder force from my you know home office and i get the call they want you for dr strange Again, you can stay at home. Uh, Half the production went out to the UK. I stayed with my assistant in LA and we had almost a 24 hour cutting room. Uh, Marvel always has two editors on these things, if not more. Uh, I think Thor had like four editors I just saw. Uh, Anyhow, so that's how that worked. And Marvel felt comfortable with me because they, they saw that I could just take on the film and deal with the big personalities that were on Infinity War and Endgame and just deliver what they wanted and what they needed. So again, you know, I keep saying the same thing. It's really this job is not about ego. I mean, certainly have a sense of self, don't be taken advantage of or any of that kind of stuff. But 
if you start to play an ego game, then, you know, you're really, it, other people can do it, the directors can do it, the producers can do it, the actors can do it. You, you as an editor really can't. I've watched people get fired because of it, so. They're not gonna want you in the room. It's not gonna be fun working with you. Life no. is tough enough when you're on these big movies. Now you're cutting on Avid, and I actually wanted to ask you, because if you're not at the studio, I mean, I'm used to, to, on these types of films, being at the studio where you can walk down the hall, and you've got your sound mixer, and you've got your special effects guys, and you've got all these rooms where people are working on the music, and you can, how on earth um, are you sort of juggling all those balls from home? Is it hard? It was hard. So I, so when the world shut down, like I said, I was on Thunder Force. We had luckily gotten through director's cut. So we were all together in the cutting rooms through that, which I thought was in incredibly important for us to go on from home. Um, so we, it was amazing. Netflix within a week got myself and my entire crew set up in all of our homes. And we just kind of picked up where we left off. Uh, we were in a bit of a holding pattern because Netflix was also like everyone was shutting down. So they had the film, they needed to give us notes. Um, but because we had all worked together, we all had a shorthand. I had was, you know, working with the composer, I was working with the music editor, I had, you know, all my post people, all my visual effects people. So it was a crazy amount of, you know, break your thumbs texting. Uh, so that was the craziest <laughs> thing of like, oh my God, I'm editing and I'm texting and I was like surrounded <laughs> by computers. It was nuts. Uh, so it was a little harder on Doctor Strange because uh, mostly with half the production in the UK, um, I was in a different time zone. There were people I didn't know. So the director, Sam Raimi, had worked for the last 25, 30 years with his editor, Bob Murawski. Um, again, Marvel has two editors. They weren't really sure they needed two editors. There was a lot of like, oh my gosh, you're only seeing me in this box and I need to figure out how to gain your trust, but we can't even interact. And then when we did finally uh, in April of 2021, we all moved back into the uh, actual cutting rooms so we could be around each other. But basically, we were still like early vaccinations, everybody with masks on, you would run back into your room, shut the door and take your mask off and breathe. Uh, so a lot of the meetings with masks and stuff, but we were able to do it and we were able to be in each other's cutting rooms. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people have talked about, oh, we could do it all from home from here on out. I would not. If, if you know, God forbid anything gets worse again, I still would opt to mask up, hazmat suits, whatever it is, just so I could walk in and talk to another person. Yeah, yeah. Remember the days when it was like a media composer, it used to take uh, when when I'd have to rent a media composer system if I was working not at the studio and and it would be $5,000 a week minimum and it would take three guys to carry it in. Remember? Right. Because yep. then you have to bring in all the huge equipment and the desk. The and drives, I yeah. yeah. And now um, if you look around and tell us what do you have in your home studio? Well, right now I'm not working from home, so I have nothing. Oh, okay, uh, but when so I was, because yeah, I would show you, uh, when it was set up, I just, we remoted into, so when we shut down for Thunder Force, literally our cutting room stayed open and we were remoting in. So if you were, you know, picture it a completely empty building because all the productions left. But if someone were to walk those halls, there are a bunch of movies playing and stopping and starting and editing 
without anyone. I mean, all those systems were going without anyone in the buildings. So that was nuts. And that was uh, the same with uh, Marvel did that as well. Uh, so there would be times where if I did some work from home, even when we were back in the cutting rooms, I kept my home system because the, it, that was a 24 hour, seven day a week job, those those things. So we'll get visual effects on the weekend, something like that. So I would be loading in from home and an assistant would be at the cutting room doing something, not realizing I was, you know, chiming in from home. And all of a sudden they would hear the movie playing in the next room and freak out like nobody else is here. So yeah, it was fun. We could freak each other out. It was well, how are you how are you logging in? What were you using? Okay, you're on Media Composer, just so that you guys know. Um uh, Tia cuts on Avid, which a lot of the major studios are still using Avid. It's kind of like the go-to for the the big movies mm-hmm. at the studio level. So how are you? I'm I haven't ever done that and been around that. How are you logging in? There uh, was a software, I believe NDI, that we would log in uh, to, and uh, and it somehow was hooked into our drives and into our computers. Um, and then when we were working, even in the cutting rooms, oftentimes Sam Raimi did not come into the cutting room. So we would use either Evercast or mm-hmm. Clearview, which are mm-hmm. two right. programs like Zoom, but where it could actually directly read the Avid as well. So, you know, the big screen would end up being our movie, and then we'd be in little boxes talking and editing together. Right. So I could edit, and then Bob could take over and edit, you know, from his system. And literally Bob and I were a room away from each other, but working on this Evercast system, which was, wow. was nuts. So, but there are a bunch of different remote softwares that uh, the different studios use to, uh, you know, to, to, to do this. And I'm amazed, obviously they had these things in place prior to the lockdown. I'm shocked at how fast everyone figured it out because a lot of productions did not shut down. Yeah, a lot of people are using Blackbird now. Uh, It's a company out of the UK. They have some amazing solutions. But I'm curious, was there latency? I mean, when you're editing and you're flying through that uh, and you're on the keyboard and you're manipulating a scene and do you have to sit there and wait for the remote machine to catch up? And was it frustrating? Uh, Yeah, yes and yes. Yes, and all of it. Sorry. And it would, it would, uh, you'd lose signal a lot of times and you'd have to start over again. Right. Or if, you know, if certainly when I was on Thunder Force and the whole world was working from home, you know, the Wi Fi wasn't great, you know, and we were hardwired in, but like the internet capabilities, depending on what time of day it was, like mm. everybody in my neighborhood's using it and it's all shutting down. And yeah, it was not ideal. Absolutely. But again, there was a lot of movies and television shows that came out of that period. I am amazed that we could do it. Really amazed. Well, you are really good at story. And I I know that, by the way, you guys, um, Tia has, I made her promise that she was going to come back during the year and we're going to spend a little bit more time with her. We're going to actually deconstruct visually a scene or two and she can show you how she's edited this together. But can you just sort of give us on the Doctor Strange in the multiverse, there was a scene in the pizza in the pizza restaurant, and talk to us about the story and and how and I can't show it because of it's proprietary and I tried to to uh, to cut a little piece off the movie and I immediately got blacked out so I could I can't do that. We'll arrange for 
for that when you come back. But how did you change that story from the way it was scripted and the way it was delivered until we see it on on camera? Yeah, uh, that was a very interesting scene because um, it started up much longer uh, with more information. We also changed because of COVID uh, and actor availability and things. There were a number of things that were not shot in the original uh, shoot of Doctor Strange. Marvel always uh, books a number of months into director's cut or studio cut a couple of weeks of additional photography for fixing things. And for us, because of COVID, a lot of stuff we'd never, ever uh, shot. So the opening scene of the movie got rewritten as we were finding the movie once we were working in director's cut. So the pizza parlor scene referenced an old opening. Um, and it also had the, uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen it, but there is a new, new character being introduced. Her name is America Chavez. She's 15. Um, her character was very spunky early on, very like, I'm a know-it-all. And she was really talking down to Dr. Strange and audiences were not responding to it. They were such a fan of his character, so they're not responding to it. So in this process of finding the movie and director's cut and knowing we have times to reshoot stuff, uh, they wrote an entirely different scene, which happens up on a rooftop um, where all the same information was given, but now based on the new opening scene of the movie. And so I cut that rooftop scene and we screened a version without the pizza parlor scene. And everyone was like, eh, you know, she's not spunky, but we don't care about her. She was very monotone. It was, you know, and it was a much more somber scene. So uh, Kevin Feige said, can we combine the two? So now I've got two scenes that have the exact same information. One with a spunky kid in a pizza parlor chomping on pizza and one with a somber kid on a rooftop and looking over the dead body of another universe is Dr. Strange. And so I had to go in and figure out, I had to basically editorially create a new conversation with existing dialogue. Of course, you can always go in after the fact and record additional dialogue, which if you really study the scene, you'll see a lot of the back of America's head in an on Doctor Strange because we're saying a lot of extra stuff that we didn't have. Um, so go in the next day, I show Sam and Bob and Kevin and the other execs and everyone's like, wow, that worked. It's a success. That's great. And Sam says, it's great, but can we start the pizza scene in the middle of the scene? So starting with the middle dialogue and then moving this beginning dialogue into the middle of that scene. So again, I have to go back and now remap roads to something. And so that's just a lesson in the fact that don't you can look at your films that you make and you know you have to get time out or something like that you don't necessarily have to throw away an entire scene you could remap it and rewrite it and find pieces of it that can serve the purpose of the story and i mean that's what i love about editing it's really fun it's amazing um and that's another example of how you and the director need to get along and understand each other so yeah but story 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 is always king um i you know you're spending most of the time with the director so it's i find that part of my job is almost like being a therapist of like okay the director is getting anxious about the material wants to suddenly throw it all away comes in one day and says this is all terrible this is not working and you have to or I like to 
try and read between the lines of that. Like, it, do you really hate this movie? Is it really, or what? what is happening and what is, uh, you know, but the mood of the day, what's happening in this particular scene? What are we coming up to a screening and now you're getting panicky, that kind of thing. So it really is mostly the director, but I've been brought on projects to fix things where my relationship is with the studio and they have no confidence in the project and they're ready to scrap it and i need to give them the confidence um so yeah it is but it's usually the the one-on-one -on -one with the director is is the most important relationship so i i would like to um end with one question if you could give everybody another tip just to maybe it's something technical maybe it's something just some advice what advice would you get them when they have um an interview how would they handle that what do you look for in somebody you're going to hire as an assistant editor for example well it comes back to what i was talking about about personality um i believe that if you are open and eager um and willing to learn then you you're you're who i would want to have around much more so than the person who's done I've got all these student films and I'm going to give you my reel. And, you know, that's not helpful as an assistant. You're not going to be editing right off the bat. So I just need to know that you are going to be eager. You want to learn. You're not coming in thinking you know everything. I mean, the thing that I keep learning is that I don't know everything. I mean, I learned so much on Doctor Strange and I've been doing this for 25, 30 years. Um, so I like the people who are very eager to learn are open to do anything try anything and are not coming at it with an attitude i have hired people who have been like all right great so i made the coffee and i filed a couple of things when am i getting on to, to to edit and you go oh no 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 this is you know it it takes a long time i mean there are certainly lucky people who they have a short film and they were the editor on somebody's short film and that somebody ended up being ryan coogler and now they're editing everything you know that can happen, absolutely. But I think the expectation of that happening right now is a little high. I have a 16-year-old son who is also in a film program at high school, and you can see that there is almost a sense of, oh, no, we know these things. We know everything. Like, you, do, you don't <laughs> just know that you don't know anything and you know bring whatever you can to the table you'll always be able to learn other things like uh avid and and you know visual effects programs and stuff but always you know keep keep learning on your own too well there is so much more that we need to ask you i really do <laughs> want to bring you back in do a longer session if that's okay because be i have a lot of workflow questions and sure you know how are things how have things changed and really specifics about how the workflow goes from pre-production to production into post and then to delivery and then also if you could break down some scenes one or two scenes from these wonderful films you've worked on but i just want to say thank you so much oh, thank you bye